This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Going to be checking your comments as we go through the show. So if you're watching live and you've got something to say, do get involved in the conversation. Now, our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without them, we can make this show each week. And we've got five new patrons who have joined us in the last seven days, which is great news. So a huge thank you and a massive welcome to Sasha Brown, Matt Gaudian and Matthew May in our Bobby Stokes tier. And Joining our James Beattie tier this week, we've got Robert Higgins and John Byrne. And John asked if we could give his 10-year-old son, Sam, a shout because Sam loves the pod and listens every week. So, hey, Sam, uh, we really appreciate your support. And I'll have a bit more on how you can join in just a minute. Coming up this week on the podcast, Russell Martin's first competitive game at St. Mary's gave us plenty of goals and plenty more talking points. We'll try and sum up the madness of that eight-goal thriller. James Ward-Prowse is leaving Southampton after 20 years service. So we'll look at the void that he's going to leave and talk about what happens next for us. There was also a cup defeat at League 2 Gillingham. I guess we're going to have to talk about that at some point. And Game 3 in the Championship is Plymouth away. Joe Bell from the Green and White podcast is going to join us later to help preview that one. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by our regular contributors, Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League 1-10, and Alfie House is the Saints reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 230. 39 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. 
Now, as I said at the start of the show, a huge welcome to our new TSP patrons that have joined us in the last week. Their monthly contributions fully support the pod, and we couldn't make TSP without their support. We have four tiers, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the pod each month, each of those tiers has different perks, like access to an ad-free version of the podcast. There's exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles. Of course, the TSP FPL and access to some of the live events that we hold. If you just joined, it's not too late to sign up to the FPL. We're going to be checking back in on that later in the season, so do make sure you've signed up. And if you want to get involved in supporting TSP each month, head over to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast for more details. Uh, All the links are in the podcast show notes and YouTube description. So let's talk about some football, shall we? Uh, Let's start with the big story of the week, which has got to be James Ward-Prowse. West Ham having agreed a fee to sign the Saints captain, £30 million by the looks of it. Um, Glenn, West Ham have been trying to sign Prowse for most of the summer. We've rejected a few offers. It felt inevitable since we were relegated that he would leave. And it appears now that that's that's finally going to happen. Yeah, sad but inevitable consequence of the um, shower of everything that we were last season. When I accepted that we were going to get relegated in about January, February, at the same time you accept that your your best players are going to leave, and Walprouse is one of those. Yeah, it was it was interesting because I don't think any of us could really see it, there, there was no obvious place for him to go. You know, who was going to pay the money and the wages, and whose team would he improve? But West Ham despite their sort of like poor performance in the league last year they're um they're playing european football next year and i guess th- i guess that's what what swung it in the end in the mind of um of uh, of war Prowse to uh, to go there because he's always said that his favorite season for us was the um the seasons that we were in europe even though we didn't do particularly well so no i'm i'm not not surprised that that appealed to him it's um you know it's relatively close to where he and his family are based. It's not a not a million miles away. It's not like it's Newcastle or somewhere like that. So, uh, so I think I think it suits. I hope for his sake that he he hits the ground running because he obviously had a lot of credit in the bank here, built up over a long period of time. And if he had five bad games for us, then you know everyone would just say, well, okay, he'll he'll get back on it soon. If he starts relatively badly for West Ham, especially as they see him as a replacement for. Their fans seem to see him as a replacement for Declan Rice, which he clearly isn't. You know, he, he's got a whole new fan base to win over, basically. So that's um, that, that's that's going to be a difficult thing for him. But good luck to him. I I hold absolutely no ill will whatsoever for him leaving. He's, you know, he's given us twenty years from when he was a kid. He's been what, captain for the last three years. He's been in the team for roughly the last ten. So it doesn't annoy me anywhere. Uh, it doesn't annoy me at all. But it's not like, you know, other academy graduates like Bale and Walcott, Callum Chambers, Oxley Chamberlain, people like that who left after half a season sort of thing. Guy's done his time. He's he's given us a load of good service. And yeah, fair, fair play to him. And that's that's kind of it, really. I, I just feel like, you know, it's a case of, as you said, sort of like the king is dead. What we got, you know, long live the king. What are we going to do now? You know what we've got. We've got to replace him, and uh, and uh, I mean it was funny. We um, you know we we found a new penalty taker yesterday. We found a new player to take corners. We didn't quite find the stability <laughs> he provides in the midfield. Yeah, that was the biggest gap. Um, so that was that was a that was where he was missed yesterday. But um, I'm I'm sure we'll get that right. But yeah, you know, fair play to him. Thirty million feels like a a kind of fairish valuation i think i think we hoped for more but i did always suspect that we would we would drop the fee a little bit 
because of the wages that he was on. And that's that's probably, you know, we don't need to drop the fee for Romeo Lavia because we assume that he's not on massive wages. But with, with Prowse, he obviously is our highest earner. And, um, you know, rumour rumor has it that there was no drop because of the relegation. So from purely a balance in the books type of thing, I don't, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised he's moved on. Steve, 30 million quid, potentially a, a player coming the other way on loan, a, an experienced championship player who's played under Russell Martin before. Does it does it seem like good business all round to you? I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, whether it's good business, I don't know. I, I think uh, we'll probably find out um at the end of the season. Um if we've if we've ended end up still getting uh, still getting promoted, having having sold our um having sold our captain, then yeah, it'll have it'll have been brilliant business and and I think that sort of transition period will have been will have been managed effectively. I mean, at this po- at this point, we just don't know. I mean, we saw yesterday the the sort of giant holes in the midfield, but I'm not necessarily sure that was that was down to the sort of the fact that Ward Prowse wasn't there. I think that was more system based. I think we didn't we didn't quite have the right players in the right positions in that midfield yesterday, um, which was no noticeable when Shay Charles came on suddenly drops into that uh that whole that deep lying role in midfield and all of a sudden we look we look a million times better and he's just got that composure very much like um like how Lavia did when he first first broke into the team last season you could tell that he had something about him and he just had the awareness of what was going on around him but yeah i think in terms of in terms of Prowse going it's i mean 30 million is i think it's par ish ultimately he's, he's what 29 so yeah, he's West Ham are going to have next to no resale value. I mean, I know West Ham are terrible at, at doing that anyway, but um, even from their by their sort of modern standards of trying to um, to be sensible in, in the transfer market, I don't I don't think there's a huge amount of sort of long term upside for them. But if he if he comes in comes into that team and he's he's able to hit the ground running along with um because I've got the that Alcaraz fella from Ajax who's Alvarez, gonna, yeah. uh, Alvarez sorry who's going to be the the holding midfielder so I mean at least at least they're not expecting Prousey to pick up that role um because then there'd be a you'd have serious problems I think but with with those two I mean yeah they they probably cover both cover all of Declan Rice's uh, kind of attributes but that's two players swapping for one you're going to you're going to lose something somewhere so i'm not i'm intrigued to see how david moyes fits all that in it's uh, it's going to be going to be an interesting um, interesting month there i think yeah and alfie jason wilcox said to you that the deals will happen if they suit all parties they ideally would have wanted to keep him he wanted to go you can't begrudge him for that so it seems like that was a deal that that suits perhaps both parties and i guess from the manager's point of view it's just nice to to draw a line under it and move on yeah i think that probably out of the deals they do this summer will probably be the one that favors them the least i'd imagine and that's probably because it's uh, you know it's purely the, the captain's choice whether he wants to leave or not i think at this point Although they wouldn't accept twenty million as the first bid from West Ham, they wouldn't accept that. I think they probably knew that if Warprowse did want to leave, which given by Russell Martin told us that he wants to get back in the England squad and break the Premier League free kick record effectively, um, then it probably was his choice. So it's about as good as it could be. And yeah, I think Russell was 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 really honest about it. You know, I don't know if the club wanted him to to talk. I was about surprised it. at how honest he was mm. about it in that press conference on. That's the, Russell the, Martin, the, isn't it? Yeah. He's, he's been he's been like that the whole time. To be fair, and it's not just us saying it because you know he's nice to us. He, he tells you every answer, he, any question you ask, and um, I'm sure that he, there'll be some things that he hides. But he is a really honest person. I don't know if the club wanted him to talk about it, but straight away he said, "Yeah, he's going to be really hard to replace." 
Jack Stevens is going to be the new captain, confirm that officially. Um, so, yeah, it's about drawing the line and now hopefully they can get some people in. And, you know, Flynn Downs is the first one of those. Hopefully that'll be completed tomorrow or the day after. Um, it's, it's not done yet by any means. But Do, do you think will... someone could hijack that? Because that was one of the rumours this week that someone might come in. He, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how West Ham do their business, but I'd like to think that if, they've, if they're taking you know, someone's captain for a, a decent price for, for both clubs. I'd like to think that they would try and encourage Flynn to, to make that make that move back to And I think Flynn would probably want to play under um, Russell Mann. You know, I don't know him. I, don't, I never yeah. spoke to him, but I think that the, the familiarity will help him succeed in the championship again. Really fine, upstanding, honest owners at West Ham. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> there was a cracking game of football yesterday. Adam Armstrong scoring a 97th minute penalty to salvage a draw against Norwich. First home game of the new season. For all the final score. Uh, Glenn, my take was, was still as bad as defending as last season, but at least maybe this year we might <laughs> score a few. Um, what, was, what was your thoughts coming away from the ground yesterday? Uh, oh, it was absolutely mental, wasn't it? It was just... <laughs> it was just... A mad game from start to finish. And, you know, I mean, if you discount the the four-all with Liverpool in the last game of the season, because that was effectively a glorified mm. friendly, wasn't it? Because we were already down and they had nothing to play for. It's it's the most entertaining game back going back to the Ronald Koeman era. It was just brilliant to watch. Uh, you only get entertaining games like that if the defences are shambolic. <laughs> and, and ours was awful and Norwich were almost as bad. So that was why I, I tend to watch defensive play more than attack and play for some reason. That's just just me. But yeah, I mean, some of it. I mean, I was I was just shaking my head all the way through it uh, at, at some of the defending. The, the first the first Norwich goal in particular. If you if you break it down, the ball gets played to Ashley Barnes. No one Stevens is kind of there, but he doesn't pressure him. He's allowed to bring it down, take a touch, knock it wide to the unmarked Stacey, who Idozi has not tracked. Manning has not got out to him. Stacey's been allowed to take a touch, cross it to the back post. Bednarek has lost um, Sargent, who heads it into an empty net from two yards. It, it's like, that's just horrible. That's so many people not doing their job. And um, It's very last year, isn't it? Very last season. For <laughs> well, I mean, I not think... last five years. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, last year we had a different problem in that, it, you know, we, we, we coughed up the odd bad goal. Uh, but in the main, you know, the, the stats say that our defending wasn't actually that bad. We had problems in goal. It was just fantastic going forward. You know, I just, I just love the way we we flooded forward, and, and it was, it was just chaotic. I mean, we saw a little bit of this in the, um, we saw it coming. I think the preseason friendly against Reading, where we saw all the midfield flying forward. You know, Will Smallbone is nominally the defensive midfielder. He he's okay in. He makes a lot of interceptions in sort of tight areas, but if the game gets strung out and we get broken on, he's not he's not quick enough, and he's not you know he's not sort of defensive minded enough to be able to cover that whole area on his own. So so then it comes down to the defenders, and you've all, all our defenders were making horrendous errors yesterday as well. But but our attacking play was great, and the the commitment to to attack when we were behind three times. Um, the spirit that we showed to to get back into it, you know, three times was um, was tremendous. But you won't get many teams setting up in a you know it was a, a two zero eight formation at times. The, the fullbacks were kind of there to start with, and then and then they just just sort of gave up. And uh, I I looked at Alfie's um, marks that he gave the players in the paper, and on all the defenders, he was like part of a defence that let in four goals at home, <laughs> which is very like lazy cut and paste effort by the Alfie there, but I, I totally, I, I, I totally, I totally agree. You, you just, you know, the, 
it's funny you see those four players warm up as a unit and then as soon as the game starts it's just like now nah, we won't bother with being a unit whatsoever we'll just we'll just do our own thing but I, you know i love the game i yeah, it was a fair result at the end of the day thought our penalty in the last minute was a bit dodgy but we haven't got var anymore so happy days that was so nice wasn't it so nice yeah it's it's great i mean you know i went on about it last year that Theo Walcott goal that got disallowed at, um, at Brighton. That was the final straw for me with VAR. And it, it's it's been brilliant so far in the two games that we've had. And I think the EFL should, you know, resist with every breath in its body, you know, if, if, if they think about trying to have VAR because the EFL seems to be for the fans, the Premier League is for the TV audiences. They haven't so, got the officials. I don't, I don't think they'd, they'd ever be able to do it. They haven't got the numbers. No, no. And, that, and that's... Yeah, that's that's as good a reason as any. How long may that continue? Yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll we'll get some rubbish decisions. Of course we will. But to be honest, I I enjoyed the game so much yesterday, even though we didn't win. That um, yeah, that's what it's about. It's about the fans' experience in the ground, and that was brilliant. And the rubbish decisions give us plenty to talk about afterwards. So <laughs> Absolutely. That's, uh, I mean, Steve, we said uh, last week there's been plenty of decent games between the two sides over the years. But what did you make of that yesterday? Because uh, I was, I, we could have won it at the end as well. Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting. I, wa- I watched the um, I watched the highlights back again earlier, and yeah, on on the replay from behind the goal, um, when you see that um, Alcaraz chance in the what ninety ninth minute, actually, if he does what I've what he's what I've seen him do before, I think I think the Arsenal goal where he scored early doors, he kind of gave the keeper the eyes and went across him, and it actually I think if he does that again in this situation. Um, Gunn's got no chance because there's two defenders blocking his line of vision. But because he's gone the other side, it's it's a um, smaller margin for error, unfortunately. So, um, yes, I mean, if you're splitting hairs, that's a missed opportunity to have beaten them 5-4 for the second time um, in the last 30, 30 years. But, yeah, I mean, that, that game was just absolutely mental, wasn't it? And, yeah, completely agree uh, with Glenn that that's a game that doesn't happen if both teams are set up with sort of proper a proper defensive structure. And yeah, we just didn't have didn't have that in the slightest. I think, um, yeah, as, as I said earlier, Shea Charles showed in that little cameo that I think he's going to be the guy going forward who is who is going to have that role. And then you're going to be picking two from whoever's left for the other the other three midfield places. Or, I think, or whoever comes in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Flynn Downs is is heavily linked from uh, from West Ham as I mean, it's not a, not a proper make weight in the deal, but it's a as a separate separate move to come in on loan and he knows the system and and has played under Martin before so yeah it should hit the ground running but I mean there's no guarantee that he gets into that into that side at the moment um which can only be can only be a good thing I think if you've got genuine competition for places I mean we obviously know there's one position at the moment that we don't have that and I mean Bazuni wasn't at fault for any of the goals um yesterday but you you still sense that there is likely a a problem on the horizon at some point. I mean, he was, he was, as I say, he was fine yesterday. Took a, claimed a couple of crosses um, when needed. Made that good save down the down the striker's feet in the second half. So I'm not. It's not panic stations by any stretch of the imagination there. But yeah, it's 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 something that's that's probably going to have to be kept an eye on. But I've seen links that um, supposedly Palace wants uh, want McCarthy, which I mean, if they do, I will 
He, he must down, have started those himself. Drive down sure. to Salem <laughs> and, and give, him, give him a lift back up, back up here to Croydon all, all by myself. It's, I'm absolutely stay, on, on board with this. You can stay in your spare room, Steve. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> um, Alfie, I mean, it's a difficult one to sum up yesterday. I mean, should it be a case we're disappointed we didn't get the three points in a home game or is it a case of, well, at least we didn't lose? Yeah, I mean, I think Russell Martin after the game said that he'd have been really, really angry if they, if they had lost. I think he was pretty satisfied that a point was probably the right result. Now, I agree with Stephen Glenn that when I look at a back four of you know Walker-Peters, Bednarek, Stevens and Manning in the Championship, I just don't think that's going to be a problem. But as it happened, it wasn't a back four, was it at all, really? It was a back two. And I think it was actually mostly what's in front. I know Steve has said that, you know, he doesn't necessarily think the Warpowers not being there was the problem. But I do think that Will Smallburn was excellent at Sheffield Wednesday in that, whatever you want to call it, number six or holding role. But he was playing against a team that were were not making any efforts to come out. You know, they were they were sitting back, 10 men behind the ball a lot of the time. Whereas credit to Norwich, I thought they were really brave. Um, you know, pushing players forward. They left two powerful forwards at the top yeah. of the pitch every single time. And that was why Stevens and Bednarek had a bit of a nightmare because they didn't have the fullbacks to support them when they, they probably were going man for man most of the game. And then Che Charles, as has been mentioned, really impressive, came on and just stopped that transition, you know, slowed it down a little bit and was able to pick off the, those counters. And that was that was superb. One thing that David Wagner said after the match, though, was that um, they spoke about the fact that this Southampton team is small. You know, there's nobody really imposing or big in the team. And the teams are, you know, cottoning onto that now and they're, they're targeting set pieces. And this Andreas Georgeson guy's got a, a big job on his hands because teams are noticing it. And although, you know, Will Smallbone and Ryan Manning, their offensive corners are really good, once again, they, they're not dealing with the Norwich ones. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the fact it was a good ovation at the end, to be fair, you know, because when you can see four goals at home, you you... Ryan Manning's you know, chucked one into the back of his own net effectively. No marking for the header. Um, set piece goal again. And to be fair, one one the goal. I did worry that that would be you know not what the sport has wanted. Um, obviously it's not. But the ovation at the end was was nice. It was a, a signal that you know this is a lot better than losing one in every week. I think everyone agrees with that. I think there was a couple of altercations in the Northern end apparently that some people were booing and just saying that it's a defensive horror show. And they're absolutely right. But I think uh, the vast majority of people will think this is the way forward. Yeah, well, if there's a lot of uh, new season ticket holders, new families going along for the first time because they can suddenly afford it or that the games are at a, a more favourable time, then they've come away yesterday thinking, this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm glad we've got uh, got tickets for this. Um, Glenn, let's just touch on that defensive and that back four. That is that is our back four by the sounds of it to to, to stay. I know like Armel Belakotchap is off, but when Jack Stevens is named captain, you think that means he's a nailed-on starter. So is it more about that? defensive midfielder and, and getting that right that's going to be the the key and and who sits in front of them um yeah you have to get the midfield structure right and as Stephen and Alfie both said with show Charles made quite a big difference in the second half you think in the second half we only well we only conceded one goal and that was the uh lovely cushion set up by um by Ryan Manning so you know Norwich didn't cause us as many problems in the second half I mean i it was bordering on suicidal yesterday, some of it, because as Alfie said, they left two guys up front. So it stands to reason you need three players back. <laughs> you can't just you can't just go two on two. I mean, most club most teams play with one up, don't they? So you can you can possibly get away with playing, you know, two against one centre forward, and the, and the fullbacks can be a little bit more more free. But yeah, I mean, there, there should have been someone there, and. As our captain is a centre back, you you would hope that he was screaming at Manning and Walker Peters to actually hold their positions a little bit to um, to give them some sort of cover. But I I just thought we weren't aggressive enough with our defending. And that first goal I described, I mean, you, you can't let thirty three year old slow Ashley Barnes bring the ball down 
and take his time and knock it off. That's, you know, he didn't even knock it off first time. He took a touch. You've got to be in on his touch. And that was what, when um, Salasu and Bela Kocak were playing well for that brief period at the start of last season, that, three, that is what they were games. doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were, they, they, you know, they just, they, they were right into the, the attackers. Bednarek can do that. But he didn't yesterday. He, he would. He had a bit of a bit of a beast in the first half. I know he scored, but he was. He looked way off it in the first half. So they have to get that that defensive structure right. I mean, Prousey not being there meant that. Yeah, we have Will Smallbone as the as the nominal defensive midfielder. You got Alcaraz and Stuart Armstrong. They don't track runners at all. The pair of them, not at all. So anyone anyone running through Sam uh, Nathan Teller does a decent job tracking back. Sam Adozi still has a bit to learn, I think, mm. um, and that that was that was something from the first goal as well. It's worth mentioning Adam Armstrong be... with the best bit of defensive work by the yeah, yeah. yard sprint back and, uh, and yeah. sliding challenge. And Russell did yeah. credit that after the game as well. He pointed that out to us and made sure that we we reported on that. Um, it's worth mentioning that they probably will be forced into a midfield change next week anyway because Will Smoban's obviously gone off with a, a whack to the ankle and he's having a scan at some point in the next couple of days, so he might be out for a week or two, or hopefully not yeah. more. Um, so they might be forced into that change anyway. We might be looking at Charles, Stewie and Charlie again. Um, and we'll see how that goes. And yeah. yeah, it's going to be a big miss. Um, Steve, Jack Stevens' first game as new captain, probably not the result he would have wanted. I guess he would have been hoping for uh, three points at home. But as we said, that means he's probably a nailed on starter now. Obvious choice for captain or just slim pickings? There's not a lot of other people that are they're jumping out at the moment. Um, how about both? Um, yeah, I, th- I think ultimately he's he's the most he's the obvious choice just from the way he conducts himself on the pitch. He is the he is the defensive organizer, and by all accounts, is the same in the dressing room and and at Staplewood that he is kind of a leader. The problem I think the problem I mean the problem I've certainly had in in the past, and I've said said as much on countless occasions, is that while he's brilliant at, at organizing others. Um, he's less less competent at organising himself at times, hmm. and that's that's kind of where he's got to step up. I mean, you'll you'll get away with it a lot more in the Championship than you will do in the Premier League. But we're already seeing that teams are taking advantage of us being a little bit slack at the back. I mean, ultimately, I think a lot a lot of the problem is as as Alfie pointed out that David Wagner said that we're a small team. We've literally like our two centre backs are six one and six two. Our goalkeeper, I think, is six two, and then um, I mean, assuming Shay Charles comes comes into the starting lineup, he's six three. Um, other than that, we are short, and we just don't have we just don't have height. Both both our fullbacks are five six. One of our replacement fullback options is five six, and then you've got a load of diminutive sort of wide attacking players. Um, you bring Shay Adams into the team, which I assume will probably happen next week with a dozy presumably out for out for a bit. Um, with the injury that forced him off yes, yesterday, and all of a sudden you've got you've then got four players who are competent in the air. That get that automatically. I mean, obviously doubles the, the number that we had in the first half yesterday. Um, so that gives you, gives you a better grounding, and it's then when you've got that competence and just physical attributes, really, then you can start working on what your best defensive system is. I've seen people saying, oh, well, it's because we're zonal marking. No, it's not. It's because we're all five, we're all five foot eight, five foot nine, and nobody can jump above the, the, the six foot four centre-back that the opposition's got, that they're throwing forward for, for every set piece. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. It's not even that we're leaving them unmarked, because even if they were challenged, that would still be happening. And I think, like on on the third goal, it's just I mean that's that's not even been a particularly tall guy won the header. That's just somebody <laughs> not 
um, not doing their job. I mean, there's yeah. absolutely no way that a, that a defensive system coached by any manager at any sort of level is instructing their players to um, leave a guy in with a five yard radius in um, sort of on the edge of the six yard box. Um, that's just madness. Um, so some someone don't know who it is uh, Teller. I think is the closest player to him, but I'm not sure. I can't imagine that he was assigned to um, to pick anybody up there. So yeah, I mean they'll they'll obviously go back and analyze that and work out work out who's to blame. But I'm sure the um, I'm sure the players the players will know exactly who who should have been at least somewhere vaguely near him when he when as he we say the uh, the new set piece coach is going to certainly earn his money isn't he um, well i mean uh, i mean that's, gonna, that's the hardest, gonna, job, gonna, hardest job in the world that is he's going to resign on step on day one <laughs> he's going to meet one larios and go no i'm going to you. i'm going to ask you about at least, at least um, we scored from a set piece today um, we did well that's what i was going to say i'm going to ask you about player of the week in just a moment but glenn i just wanted to touch oh. on the, the the set plays and things yesterday because mm. look proudly fantastic and as we said earlier on we wish him well but actually it was nice to see a little bit of variation other people getting involved in the corners we're going to see that with the free kicks now and I don't know does he score two penalties in in a game it was nice to see there weren't brilliant penalties but it was nice to see someone stepping up with a bit of confidence and going do you know what I, I think he's going to nail that yeah I mean Adam Armstrong you know when he when he picked up the ball for the first one I thought oh fair enough because again you're looking around and thinking mm, slim pickings here mm. who, who fancies it Adam Armstrong clearly wants to take it and he and he buried it. I was quite confident he was going to bury it because of who the opposition goalkeeper was. Because <laughs> your uh, old friend, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, I also remember him in that penalty shootout where he basically collapsed, collapsed in the corner mm. six times and um, and didn't get near any of them. So I was I was quite confident with the first one, and I was very confident with the second one for the for the same reason because it's it's not in his locker to have a great game at St Mary's. So um, so no, I was I was happy that uh, that. It's good for Adam Armstrong. It'd be good for his confidence. You know, I'd still like to see, you know, you, you, you want to see a goal from open play, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't just fly off the back of his head. <laughs> you, you you know, you, you you want to see him being put through, taking on the last man and smashing it in. And then there's, there's obviously, you know, he's, his confidence has obviously taken a batter in the last couple of years. And however the goals go in, it, it's, it's going to build him up. And um, yeah, and, and the happy days he 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 will hopefully carry on scoring with regards to the the corners and stuff when Ryan Manning went over and took them from the left hand side they were really da- from the right hand mm-hmm. side sorry they were really dangerous uh, I really liked it and it, it annoyed me in the last minute when Sam Amo took one and he tried to take it left footed and and it was rubbish it didn't get above mm-hmm. knee height and I thought you know I think it was four all at the time but I think they just wanted the nearest player to take it because we're running out of time sort of thing. What but, game was yeah. it where Ryan Manning delivered a free kick in pre-season that was a really good ball in the score from it? The Bournemouth, Bournemouth one, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So he's so, obviously got it in his locker. Yeah, so they, they, yeah, they got... I mean, Smallbone hit a couple of good ones. He hit a couple of duff ones from the other side. But, um, but yeah, I mean, other... It, it's like when you, um, you know, when you clear out clear out certain players other players can you know suddenly have their chance to shine. I mean, mm. I, when, um, when Charlie Alcaraz signed his sort of youtube compilation videos there was a few free kicks in there so you know perhaps perhaps he's uh he's the man who's going to um is going to take on that when um when we get one around the edge of the box so uh, so yeah i'm i'm happy with the way the way things have, have worked out and we have no choice so we have to find someone else absolutely um so tsp player of the week then before we move on to the plymouth game i think adam armstrong for me just scoring that penalty in the the 90 
97th minute or 96th minute, whatever it was. And also that tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, Alfie, I know we talked about your your player ratings. Is it the same for you or anybody else that stood out this week? Yeah, I think I can't actually remember the top of there. There's quite a busy period doing those. But I think Adam Armstrong <laughs> was uh, eight for me out of 10 and probably the highest rated player. So at the end of the day, he scored two penalties, which is not an easy task. Kane couldn't do it in the World Cup quarterfinal. Otherwise, we'd been all uh, dancing around the streets. Um, but he did it. He managed that tackle like you say it was unbelievable so yeah Adam Armstrong and hopefully build up his confidence I got an update to my stat as well Stephen Glenn it's now 10 goals in his last five championship appearances <laughs> not bad not Rich bad the form. And, mm. and and both uh, do you both agree um, Steve Glenn um, for player of the week Adam Armstrong or anybody else that's jumped out for you yeah I think so I mean I think you can you can I think he's the guy that's had the the obvious impact with the goals I think you could make claims that m- quite a few other players had like 10, 15 minute bursts of input of sort of real impact. Like Alcaraz came alive in the last 15 minutes of the game, whereas the first hour or so he was largely anonymous. Uh, Stu Armstrong was good in the first half, but faded, faded sort of quite a lot in the second as, as he kind of tends to do um, in games where he starts. Um, Smallbone was, was kind of all right. First 20, 25 minutes. Um, then Norwich kind of got a bit of a, bit of a handle on him and obviously Charles came on last last 20 or so and and was and looked very good so there's there's a case for for a number of players but I think Armstrong was the one that kind of had that impact across the whole across the whole 90 minutes really. Glenn you agree? Um, If I was so player of the week does that include the Gillingham game because if it it does well Alex McCarthy obviously he was great. (laughs) Um, now that no, means we're going to have to put the Twitter poll Adam Armstrong big, or Alex McCarthy no, that's a big dirty lie I mean no if you are including the Gillingham game then Sam Amoamoyor was great in that game he was the yeah. only one who was and he did well in his 10 minutes that he came on yesterday so I mentioned him um, I would also from yesterday include Che Adams because I thought he made quite a big difference when he came on just slightly more of a physical presence against Gibson and he's the other guy Duffy so um, I, I think that that Though that substitution probably wouldn't have been made at that time without the injury, I thought it was as substitutions go. I thought that was spot on, and it, it did um, it did sort of majorly change the uh, direction of travel of the game. So uh, yeah, if I was going to pick anyone from yesterday, anyone other than Adam Armstrong, it would be Chay Adams. Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Nice. Okay. Thank you for that. Well, Saints travel to Devon this weekend to face newly promoted Plymouth Argyle. Joining us to help preview that game is Joe Bell from the Green and White podcast. Hi, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, gents. Real good. 
Uh, yeah, very good. Uh, a good point at Watford at the weekend, I guess. How's life in the Championship been so far? I think, is it four points from two games? It's easy, this Championship, Mark, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been a dream start, really. We obviously got the, the big three points on the opening day against Huddersfield. And, you know, we were going to Watford, really, with a touch of apprehension I suppose amongst the fan base you know everyone was going this was the day that we'd really get a sense of what the championship was like and I mean we we defended for our lives Watford had a, a large chunk of the game um, as you'd expect with the quality they've got in their side but we were more than a match for them particularly second half if truth be told although they registered a large number of shots the best chances in the game fell to us one one in particular with about 20 minutes to go so it's pleasing it's it's been a great first week obviously we the four points and progression in the cup so yeah I think it's settled everyone's nerves a little bit about the level that we've come into yeah and progression in the cup's not for everyone um the manager <laughs> saying that he might be bringing in a, a striker before the end of the transfer window is there still a, a bit of business you'd like to be seen done yeah I'm not sure it's a might I think it's a necessity really um we've only got two up there at the moment we've got Ryan Hardy who's been our top goal scorer now for a couple of years and we've got a young lad we brought in from Wellington Phoenix last year Ben Wayne um who looks very good promising talent but unfortunately we're not going to be able to succeed with just two so we are looking for another centre forward the hope is that we might try and get one in this week it will be a loan we've obviously spent a little bit of cash already which is uh, rather uncharacteristic but that's the signs of the club and where we are now so have you heard of somebody called Sekumara, Joe? Uh, I've not, no. Um, but he could be a good having fit for you. having been backstage for the last ten minutes. I think I'll pass and I'll, I'll focus on the players we're linked with. Um, but yeah, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. Um, I think Schumacher has been fairly open that he wants somebody if he can with um, a bit of Championship experience. I know that's a little bit tricky to come by on a loan deal, but we've worked some magic so far this transfer window. So hopefully we've got a bit of gold dust left up our sleeves. We've talked about the momentum as well with with the clubs that that get promoted. Are you feeling that? Is is there a sense that there is still that momentum and, and everyone's still quite buzzing? And and I guess the good start would would have helped if they stuck to the principles that that got them out of, of League One. Yeah, I think the momentum's been building now for a couple of seasons. I don't think it's something that came about last year. I mean, the year before we obviously had a fantastic season. Any side who misses out on the playoffs with eighty points can feel pretty hard done by. Um, they didn't let it affect them last year, and I mean we were outstanding all year. Um, constantly getting knocked back every week in the media that oh we won't last we won't they'll fall away they'll fall away and we didn't drop out at the bottom the top two after I think it was September the 16th or something so we were always up there the the momentum is very key at home I think in our last 47 league games we've lost seven um, so you know good luck on Saturday you're coming to a place that not many teams have much joy and we're certainly not going to make it easy for you but yeah the the, the place is buzzing the city is buzzing I mean this is the first year certainly since I've been supporting the club, that we've had a waiting list for season tickets. The place is selling out every week. We're going to sell out all our allocations every week on the road. It's refreshing to walk through the city centre and see green shirts and white shirts and not the reds of Liverpool's and Manchester United's. It's, um, it, it's, it's a real sign of the times. And it's, you know, it's all thanks to our chairman, Simon Hallett. He's put a great board underneath him in place. Um, and as I say, it's been four or five years in the making, but we're, we're reaping the benefits of it now, certainly. Glenn, are you looking forward to this one? I think it was 2011 that we played them last. That was a couple yeah. of goals for, for Ricky Lambert when we were kind of like flying high and I think 3-1 the final score. But it should be a, a good game on Saturday. Yeah, that that was the game that basically got us up, wasn't it? Into, into the and championship. Them. 
Mm. Yeah, got it. Got us. It got us. You, you owe us one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to this game. It's it's always nice to play teams that you haven't played for a long time. You know, from what I from what I've seen of Argyle, that it's only really this year. And I've, there was quite a lot of highlights of their game against Huddersfield. Um, looks a decent side who who try and play, which is nice. Obviously, very promising manager who we were briefly linked with. I think I don't know if that was um, media driven or whether that was actually a thing. Alfie's but, fault. Yeah, probably Alfie's fault. Um, that's probably the athletic. Boo. Um, yeah, so I, I like the fact that they're they're trying to do things a different way. I mean, Stephen Schumacher, he was a sort of lowish profile player, League One, League Two. He's still younger than 40, which grates horribly with me. So it's two managers who are uh, much, much younger than I am. And, you know, the, the, the club's obviously got something about it at the moment. General upward trend, as you say, for four or five years. Remember you knocking Pompey out of the playoffs a couple of years ago. That was brilliant as well. <laughs> um, so that was, so uh, yeah, all good. So um, um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to the game. It'll be uh It'd be an interesting one for us because we had Sheffield Wednesday, or obviously in League One uh, last year, in in the first game, and that I I think it's tough going to um, you know newly promoted sides away from home very early in the season, and obviously Argyle have had a good start, so it's um, it's going to be an interesting game. But uh, but yeah, like I say, look, looking forward to it, and uh, be interesting to see if you can uh, you can handle our attacking play. But if you've got any set pieces that <laughs> you, <laughs> you're certainly going to have some joy because we don't appear to have a clue. So it should be it should be a very entertaining game, one way or another. What are the the aspirations, the expectations for the season, Joe? Is it just to you know start one and see how it goes, or are you looking to kind of really sort of cement themselves in the in the division? It's it's pretty clear from everyone up there. It's it's a progression plan. Um, so first year is always about consolidate, cement your place in the division, build from that. Um, moving forward, if the season ended now, I'd obviously be delighted, um, and it'd be a bit of a <laughs> bit of a whirlwind. But yeah, I mean, look, if they, I think the it's pretty public knowledge that our budget is a a bottom third of the division budget. We feel like we've utilised it quite well, obviously with the players we've brought back as well as some of the ones we've brought in. So the the ambitions are to survive. No one's hiding away from that, but certainly from what we've seen in particular yesterday as well, because we had to show a lot of different characteristics yesterday to what we did against Huddersfield. We had to sit in for periods of the game. We had to throw bodies on the line. You know, we had to really work hard for the point. And we haven't had to do that the last couple of years, obviously with the seasons we've had. So I think if anyone, certainly neutrals, didn't believe that we belonged at this level before yesterday, Go back and watch that game because that proved to everyone that we do. You know, we're not here to make the numbers up. We are going to be a very competitive side. Of course, there are going to get be games that we come up on unstuck. You know, we're going up against huge football clubs with great resources. You know, I, I keep telling people it's a mini Premier League that we've come into. It's rather typical of Argyle that the one year we finally get back to the championship, it proves that it's the hardest championship there's been for a long time. So we're going to we're going to make it difficult for ourselves, but we're going to enjoy it. And as I say, we're not here to make up the numbers. I think we can really surprise a few people looking at some of the one to 24 predictions that were put out. The, the budgets is an interesting thing, Steve. I mean, on paper, you think that we, we should do all right here, but it's going to be a, a, a tough game, isn't it? A bit different to the, the, the Sheffield Wednesday one. Yeah, I think I think hindsight will judge that Sheffield Wednesday game as 
a game against one of the weaker teams in in the division. I think both Plymouth and Ipswich, from what I've seen so far, look look a complete different proposition. They both have a hell of a lot of momentum. I mean, obviously Wednesday had their ridiculous playoff run, which we discussed at the um, sort of before that game. But all the nonsense that they've had in the summer, and they just they just don't look a they just don't look a very good team or a team that's got any sort of confidence in themselves. Whereas Plymouth and, I- and Ipswich have both started started excellently. Yeah, I mean Plymouth look look solid at the back, which is a is a new that's going to be a new te- test for us because we've not played anyone with a good defence yet. Wednesday were were terrible at the back and realistically we should have won that game by more and obviously we scored four yesterday should have could should have um had one or two more hmm. so yeah that's that's gonna be interesting to see how we how we get through through a team that's actually well organized defensively yeah i mean obviously we have our stated problems and um we've got to kind of muddle our way through it until until we've got got to a stage where we're we're comfortable and we know, we know what we're doing but yeah, it's it's a case of kind of winging it a little bit and hoping that our attacking assets are able to. I mean, we're we're basically going to try and Keegan it, aren't we, for um, <laughs> at, at least until the end of August, and then and then kind of assess it and see see There's how a the reference land for lies. the kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately most of our games are going to be quite fun to watch. I mean, as we've seen so far, I mean, uh, less said about Tuesday the better, but but the the two league games so far have been have been good fun. And to be honest, the way the way Plymouth played against Huddersfield, I've not seen anything from the from the Watford game. But um, the way they played against Huddersfield from off those highlights on on the um, on the ITV show, I think yeah, it's going to be an open game. And I mean, I'd be very surprised if it's um, if it's low scoring. Yeah, Joe, I'm going to ask you for a score prediction in just a moment. Um, Alfie, despite the early kickoff, I mean, it should be a, a great atmosphere. I don't know, are you going to leave in the middle of the night, or if you could, you get to go down the day before? You must be looking forward to this trip. Yeah, I am looking forward to it a lot. Um, like I say, sold out by what Joe says in the home end, sold out and they weigh in very quickly as well. It's going to be a phenomenal atmosphere. On a personal note, it's a bit annoying because the Premier League 2 uh, home game, first home game is on Friday night at Snow Stadium and I want to try and beat every home 21s game. So I'll be doing that game until about 11 midnight that night and then driving up to Plymouth at what, like five or six in the morning, whatever it takes. Um, so yeah, that won't be ideal. Um, but also, just for supporters, it adds on you know, a potential three-figure sum, doesn't it, if you want to go up on the Friday? I mean, I think Glem's even debating whether you could or couldn't go because as, as a result of being on Friday, no trains and stuff. So it's, yeah. it's a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah, it's, the yeah, yeah, trains were kind of virtually killed by the, um, mm. by the kickoff being moved. So, yeah, so it was driving or nothing, really. So. Mm. But it is going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. And like Russell Martin's obviously not going to change the way that Southampton plays. So maybe Joe can tell us a bit more uh, potentially about how Plymouth are going to deal with that. But if they're going to try and dominate them at our home park. They're going to absolutely try and play them off the park. And it's going to be a, a good contest. Is set pieces the key, do you think, Joe? Because having, I don't know if you've seen any of the Southampton highlights, but I think there was a point yesterday where we'd faced four shots on target and all four of them have gone in. So, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the gaps are there if you want to, if you can exploit them. We, we had a running joke on our podcast all the way through last year, how many games it had been since we'd scored a set piece goal. And we finally got one around, we finally got one around March time. Yeah, I mean, we, we're very hit and miss when it comes to our set pieces, I've got to say. We take, I mean, we're, we're one of very few teams who try and keep the ball in play if we can so there's not too many um set pieces but interesting what you guys were saying there about the Sheffield Wednesday game and what Alfie just said there about how Argyle are going to try and combat what is likely to be Southampton seeing a fair chunk of the possession 
Um, I don't think anyone's blinkered to not expect that, even though it's on our home turf. And, you know, we're not going to change our style. We're not suddenly going to switch to seven at the back here and sit in a low block and try and scrape a point. You know, with this is our home game. We lost three times last year. As I said, we've only lost seven games in the last 47. You know, we're going to, we're going to really fancy this in front of the cameras, full house, like we did against Huddersfield. And that will be an interesting matchup, really, because what you guys were saying there about your, your back four, you know, I mean, we set up with a front three, but at times it can be a four or five that flood forward when we're on the attack mm. and we've we got the wind behind us. So they pop up in different positions as well. Don't get too set on on what you see on a team sheet. They'll be all over the place throughout the 90 minutes. But it is it is a properly good game, this. I think it's, too, as you say, it's two sides. You like to play proper football. They get it down. Big fan of Russell Martin and the way his teams play. but. Do not expect us to be as poor as Sheffield Wednesday were and just let you have it. You know, that's not going to happen. We are going to try our best to get in your faces and hassle you. And if we pay the price, we pay the price. But this is the model that's got us to where we are now. So we're not going to abandon it just for one 90-minute game or a 112-minute game, like however long they decide to have. Well, on. yeah, however <laughs> yeah, however long. Yeah, sounds like it could be a good one. Um, can I just get a score prediction from you, Joe, before you go? If you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I think, as I say, I expect Southampton to see a fair chunk of the play, similar to what Watford did yesterday. But equally, when we got the ball, we caused Watford real problems. And I think it surprised them a little bit. We're on our home patch. We've got this record. I, It's going to sound really boisterous. I can't see us being beat, if I'm honest, um, just because of how we play at home. And with your leaky defence obviously shipping for if we can nick one at a set piece i'll be absolutely delighted but our our height isn't really our strength i think the tallest player we bar the keeper who's six foot seven or something um i'd be surprised if he's coming up for a corner in the 10th minute or something but um <laughs> i think our next tallest player is six foot two six foot three so i don't think you'll have a problem with being outdone in the height uh two one argo i think if we can keep it tight for as long as we can then we'll we've got so many options coming off the bench at the moment it's it's crazy and if particularly if we can get another striker in that will only that will only help that but yeah 2-1 Argo with us the the trend seems to be we'll go 2-0 up and then concede one and then it'll be squeaky bum time but um if we can <laughs> have a good afternoon then I'll be absolutely delighted and what a start that'd be to our season okay all right let's go around the rest of the uh, the screen Steve your score prediction please um yeah I mean this is Arguably our biggest test so far, I think. I mean, Norwich, I think, were a fairly known quantity and we still made a bit of a pig's ear of things at times. I mean, as I say, I think it'll be tight, and but I think it'll be, it'll be it's weird. It's going to be a tight game, but an open game. So tight, tight result, but stupidly open game, um, probably an insane pace, I would imagine. Uh, both teams seem to quite, as, you, as Joe said, Plymouth like to keep the ball in play. We certainly do as well. So actually don't think there'll be the 112 minutes um in this one but there will be goals um because of course there will be so why the hell not three all three all right okay glenn yeah agree with everything that's been said so far uh i'm quite optimistic i think obviously argyle got a very good home record as uh, as joe has mentioned i don't think you'll have played a team with as much attack and flair as we've got at the moment so that'll that'll be an interesting test for for your defense um we haven't got a clean sheet in us, so there's there's no way there, there won't be goals. 
So with all that, as as we've had an Argyle win and a draw, I'm so far from uh, from you two. I'll have a I'll have a Saints win three two. Okay, Alfie, are you confident? Yeah, I think more so now that listen. I'm so excited for the game now. Listening to Joe, but I think I'm actually more confident that if you try and play. No, it's not the Russell Martin way, but if you try and play the Russell Martin way against this Southampton team, I do think this Southampton will win that. Um, And I was going to go 3-2, but listening, I was giving you a free set-piece goal and listening to what you said about your set-piece proficiency, (laughs) I'm going to take that free set-piece goal away and make it 3-1. 3-1, all right. I've gone for 2-1, so um, we'll see. And if you're watching live, by the way, just by all means, stick your, your predictions and your um, no, no, it is your It will be nil-nil now. <laughs> as soon as I started saying that, it's going to be nil-nil. Um, Joe, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the season, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you later in the year. Cheers, gents. Thank you. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, Joe. Uh, Joe joining us there to uh, to preview this weekend's game. There was one other game this week, which I don't want to spend too much time talking about, um, but we were dumped out of the Carabao Cup after that 3-1 first round defeat to Gillingham. Glenn, did this tell us anything we didn't already know? No. <laughs> no, it told us that our backup players are largely awful. And um, as soon as I saw the lineup, I mean, apart from the fact you couldn't, you couldn't really work out who the hell was playing where um, until until the game kicked off. We thought we either had someone strange playing centre back or we had someone strange playing fullback. It turned out it was um, Perot, mm. who I didn't even think was fit, pressed into action as a centre back. And um, no, it was, it was predictably awful, um, as as it would be when you've got six or seven players who you know are either not good enough or not bothered. So um, so no, I wasn't I wasn't remotely surprised. We were we were terrible. I do think the, there was a bit of an overreaction to it. I I think people who paid money and went to the game have a right to be angry about it. But you do always know that in the Carabao Cup, you run the risk of, 11, yeah. of that happening. But I understand the people who went to the game being angry, but everyone else should have been able to sort of um, see the bigger picture a little bit there. And and the, the bigger picture is, of course, that getting promoted is the is the priority this year. And unlike when we were in the Premier League, we're we're not going to not have the remotest chance of winning it or getting to the final or anything like that. So, uh, so I, I wasn't I wasn't bothered, wasn't surprised. Um, there there were some shockingly awful performances that were were just just even beyond my expectation. I mean, Musa Janapo was awful. Alex McCarthy was horrendous. That that. The second goal is just is it's it's unbelievable. I'm I'm 54. I'd get down quicker than that. I wouldn't get up again <laughs> afterwards, but I would have got down quicker than that. That was just dreadful. And it's you know as Steve was saying last week, he he's he's a guy who he, he doesn't fit the way we want to play. He doesn't look bothered. And if Roy Hodgson is stuck in some sort of time warp, didn't he pick him for England once? Yeah, yeah. Hodgson, he, he picked him for England. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, was that I mean, like Fraser Forster as well, wasn't it? It's strange yeah. all the time, but um... yeah. But I mean, if if Hodgson still thinks McCarthy's a good goalkeeper, then you go on, you go, you go for it, Roy. But um, I, I mean, we're we're three 0 down, and you know, it looked like it was going to be really embarrassing, didn't it, for a while? Mm. And then you know, we we put on a couple of good players, and one of them scored. Mm. So um, Alcaraz scored. Um, didn't think I'd see Tall Paul in his Saints shirt again. So that was. Um, that was interesting, but he didn't really do anything. So uh, yeah, it was just a uh, just a case of I think once we went two 0 down and it was three 0 down pretty soon, wasn't it? After that, it was just a case of okay, let's get back on the bus and go home and um, and concentrate on the games that really matter this season. 
And Steve, was that just the, the youngsters being let down by the more experienced pros? Because they're, they're the ones that I felt sorry for, because although we'll say, well, we're out of the cup and, you know, we can concentrate on the league, it, it's the minutes and the extra games that, that some of the youngsters might have got going forward. That's that's the, the thing that is, it's that's the biggest um, disappointment, I guess. Yeah, it's frustrating because you'd want to see um, these players get development minutes against proper opposition and, yeah, in, in senior games. I mean, un, under-21 football is kind of not not great in terms of its competitive level it's it's a real mishmash of teams the the lineups change week in week out you've got occasional first team players dropping in just to get fit and just dominating the games and it's sometimes it gets gets a little bit silly I mean we had that stupid one against Middlesbrough last season didn't we where where we stuck Theo Walcott and Seku Mara in and we, yeah. and we won was it 8-0 yeah, Seku scored four, I think. Yeah, and Walcott got a hat trick as well, and mm. it was and it was just silly, and and that's and unfortunately that's kind of the the level that these that these kids are are getting most of their minutes in, and so yeah, getting getting dumped out of the cup at the at the first opportunity in a game where I mean, frankly, if you put out if you put out more of the kids, they we'd have probably had a better team performance. Mm. Um, yeah. But the fact is, you kind of you kind of always think that you need some sort of experience in that team somewhere sort of down the spine and actually those are the players that have been constantly letting us down for years so why would you keep giving them more chances um i mean mccarthy's obviously one that we've singled out countless times before uh lianco similarly was was garbage oh. pero out of position i kind of give him a little bit of a pass on that if you if you play i mean the guy's the guy's not played any games in pre-season and you're throwing him into this one where he's had no no preparation really and you're you're going to play him in a position he's never played before and he's five foot six against a league two team who are <laughs> quite good from set pieces it's just just lunacy and i mean i i kind of i mean, martin said after the game didn't he that it, that he was proud of the performances of the of the, the kids and it was the senior yeah. senior players who, who let them down and he and while he's i mean he's right but he's the guy that picked them yeah yeah. Um, yeah, so, but you picked them to see, like, do you pick them to oh, see it's, it's, what it, they it was, give? It, it was def- oh, it's definitely a carrot and stick approach. It was, mm. it was yeah. right. Are, are you guys actually going to be turning up for me this season? Mm. And he's got a very definitive answer there. And we talked, Alfie, when we talked about the James Ward Prowse thing, we talked about the honesty from from Russell Martin and and the fact that he was absolutely upfront with you and those questions. Mm. It felt to me one of the highlights of the, the Tuesday game and going out the cup was his honesty afterwards. You thought, is he going to come out? Is he going to defend the players? No, he didn't hold back. <laughs> no, he didn't. And did you know what? I was just writing up the report, whatever it was I was doing, and uh, about one, two minutes maybe after the game, he'd already come out from the dressing room and he was ready to do his media stuff. So I don't know what he said to them when he was in there, but I can't imagine it was very long. It's probably just, just a couple of words. <laughs> you're not playing, you're not playing, and then came out. Um, but he came out, and yeah, he was honest. And I think the, the quote that I tweeted that everyone sort of sent going around was, um, you know, there are a lot of players in there who think they're Premier League players. They're not if they perform like that, if they, they don't run the yards, don't put the effort in, all that sort of stuff. And he's absolutely right. And uh, yeah, I agree with Steve. I actually felt for a man a little bit because I felt it wasn't really his position. And he's the one that didn't make the squad this weekend out of all of them. Uh, and obviously, Paul and you actually as well. But yeah, and there's a few there that Russell wasn't very happy with. James Bree looked pretty upset afterwards as well, that interview that you did with him. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird actually speaking to him because I thought it was a, from the, the media perspective, I thought it was a terrible choice to bring James Bree out um, just because he'd he'd had a really bad game. He's had a really hard time of it in the last six months. And then all of a sudden he's out here asking, answering those questions about why he wasn't very good, which I didn't think was fair on him. Um, but yeah, he was, 
one thing he didn't say was that he didn't say he definitely wants to be here this season. He said that he wants to play games. And if he doesn't play games this season, then maybe he'll have to go somewhere else, um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, but he's a lovely guy. On that note, though, just um, before we wrap up tonight, what kind of things are you expecting this week? Maybe, obviously, the Prowsey stuff at the time of recording on a Sunday night has not been confirmed. So are you expecting that to be early tomorrow and, and, and the Flynn Downs move coming? Yeah, I imagine there? that'll be they'll both be tomorrow or Tuesday, you'd like to think. You and I, I would like to see something else happen. Um, they've got a load of money in the bank, and I would just like to see them spend it. But there's nothing I've heard that's particularly close. You know, When I asked Russell um, on Thursday or Friday, he said the same thing. There's nothing actually that close. So hopefully he's just uh, bluffing us, and they'll be pulled job out the bag tomorrow morning. Well, they kept um, the Manning one was pretty undercover, mm. wasn't it? They kept that one. Um, Glenn, Easy one seems, a free agent, I suppose. It seems to be people going out at the moment. Um, AUK yeah. is the other one this week. Yeah. So it'd be nice to see somebody coming in. Yeah, it was nice to see Romeo Lavia go anywhere other than Liverpool. Um, <laughs> obviously, hopefully the Brighton lad will go to anywhere other than Liverpool as well. Um, <laughs> a bit disappointed Chelsea didn't announce them both on the pitch before the game. Uh, hmm. today but uh, but there you go so yeah obviously Lavi will be moving as well but uh, hmm. it will be um, yeah it will it will be good to get some more in but yeah I, I can I, I can see it taking a bit of time I mean where where do we really need to strengthen I mean if we accept we're not going to sign a goalkeeper um, we, you know we've brought in Joanna Lumley haven't we but <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not going to sign a, a first choice goalkeeper. We, you know, midfield now seems to be sorted with Flynn Downs. I guess it's centre back. I, mm. I, I guess you know more competition in the centre back area. Um, well, if, I got... mean, if all our centre backs are going to be getting booked every game, we're going to need more. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, that's the other thing that came from yesterday. The only thing that came out yesterday was the Armel Bolakotchab going to Dortmund for twenty million euros. I mean, I text somebody quite close to um, to Armel and quite close to those sort of deals, and uh, he responded with, "At that price, they should buy two of them." So I get the impression that twenty million euros is not going to be uh, the fee. I think it'd be slightly more than that. But yeah. it could, but it could be done. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe we'll see. And and you've you've got to look at. I mean, the other area you should probably look at is centre forward but it, I guess that depends on whether whether Che moves on or not mm. but uh, I mean the thing that I found interesting from the the Gillingham interview you mentioned there with, with Russell Martin is that there was a lot of general references to players not playing well but there was a very pointed one at Sekumara wasn't there about basically not training properly you know not training with the intensity that you need to to go into a game and perform so it wouldn't surprise me if he's if he's moved out on loan or or permanently even just just because i mean to to have made that impression on your new manager after six weeks is is not great is it so it'd be interesting to see what happens there and maybe maybe we'll bring in another forward because of that well, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast. We're on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. We're also on Instagram. We're giving threads a go as well. It's at Total Saints Podcast if you're on there. Uh, as you'll know, if you're watching the podcast on Sunday evenings, we live stream TSP every week to our Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to be the first to see all of the new videos. Uh, it's also great to hear from you during the week. You can drop us a DM on any of the socials, uh, or you can drop us an email by the website if there's something you'd like to share. Uh, as I mentioned right at the start, we're also on Patreon. That's where you can support the podcast with your monthly contribution. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. There's four different tiers on there, ranging from £5 to £20 per month, and each of the tiers comes with different perks. One of those is a weekly shout-out for the patrons in the Francis Benali and the Mick Shannon tier. So thank you for your ongoing support to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, 
Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson and Saints in Exile. They're in our Francis Benali tier. And also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in the Mick Shannon tier. Uh, thank you to Steve and to Glenn and to Alfie. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.